This is Yolanda Robbins, your host of the Parish Property Chronicles. In this episode of the Parish Property Chronicles, my guest is Gail Boitcaire, founder and manager of Perfectly Paris, a furnished rental agency she began in 2001 with one small cottage in the picturesque 18th district of Montmartre. Since 2008, Gail has been selected as a Paris accommodation specialist by Condé Nast Traveler. Let's hear how this Canadian native turned her small business into a network of beautifully appointed rentals, which suits her loyal customer base when traveling to Paris just perfectly. Gail, I want to thank you for joining us today on the Paris Property Chronicles. You are the founder and principal of Perfectly Paris. But before we get to your organization, tell us a little bit about where you were born, your Paris origin story. Sure, Yolanda. Thanks so much for having me. So I was born in Alberta in cowboy country, even though I'm not a cowboy because I left there when I was maybe like a year and a half old. So I have no recollection of where I was born. However, I grew up in um, Ontario, so I call Toronto my home, and I basically lived in Canada until uh, four and a half years before moving to France. Uh, And in between Canada and France, I lived in the Caribbean for a short stint. Where in the Caribbean did you live for that short stint? (laughs) (laughs) I was living in St. Martin on the Dutch side of the island. Oh, that's a very nice island. But what brought you to Paris? Love in the City of Light? I don't know. (laughs) I uh, met my actually, my now ex-husband when I was living in St. Martin. He's French. And that was why we originally came to Paris. He decided it was time to move back to the real world, i.e. Paris, which is where he was from. And so that's what brought me here. And I didn't actually want to go because I really only liked Montmartre. I didn't, I wasn't really one of these people that already always dreamed of moving to Paris. So I said, I'll give it a try for a year. And if I don't like it, I'm going back to St. Martin. But that was um, 2001 and I haven't left. So you've been here for a long time. Where do you live in Paris? I live in the 18th arrondissement, uh, literally on the border of the 18th and the 17th, which is great because it happens to be my two most favorite areas, um, Montmartre in the 18th and Les Batignolles in the 17th. Can you describe your apartment to us? It's uh, full of way too many eclectic things. I am a huge fan of artwork, whether it be photography, paintings, drawings, etc. And so if you walk into my home, it's kind of almost like walking into a gallery because the walls are covered with things. But the thing about everything on my wall, everything has a story to it. Everything has a certain meaning. In most cases, I've known the artist or photographer that has done the work on my wall. So it's all personal. It's not just to fill a space. And apart from my artwork, I think that I have to say, I feel my home is very welcoming. It's a two-bedroom apartment. I have a nice uh, balcony that overlooks a, a quiet garden below, which we don't have access to, but we can look at all the trees and the plants and everything. 
Oh, that must have been great when we were locked down last year and we had limited, limited outing. Oh, yes. It was really good. So not only do I have the balcony, but um, I have, a, like a lot of people, a combination, a living room, dining room area, double séjour. And uh, that's also the area where my office, my home office is located. In the dining part of the area... I've got uh, three huge windows, and so normally I just had the windows open all the time so I'd hear the birds tweet and go on about my business working away. So it was very, very, it was a luxury, I have to say. Oh, it sounds lovely. I'm going to have to come over sometime. Anytime. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us a little bit about Perfectly Paris, when you launched it, and what was the impetus for you starting the company? Well, it all came about by accident, actually. Uh, when we first moved to Paris in 2001, before I got here, my husband bought this apartment that was just like a cute little kind of cottage. It was just kind of adorable. And it was such a unique property that he just bought it straight away. Didn't even know what we were going to do with it. And I was still in the Caribbean at the time. So when I got to Paris, that's where I lived in the very beginning. And we just called it the cottage because that's what it seemed like. It was in Montmartre in this cute little area that used to be part of the Abbey. It used to house nuns and things. So it was just really adorable, very, very unique. And so anyway, we're living in this apartment. But in the meantime, we did actually buy a place that was meant to be our forever home at the time. And that was being renovated. So while the renovation work was going on, I was talking to my ex saying, well, what are we going to do with the cottage after we move to our place? And he said, well, maybe you can rent it out. I'm thinking, I don't want to be a French landlady. I don't even know anything about being a landlady. And so anyway, and I said, well, to who? Who am I going to rent it out to? And he said, well, tourists. This was 2001. So at the time, it wasn't really, I guess, the mindset in Paris to rent out an apartment in Paris. Sure, the Anglophone uh, world had been doing it a lot longer, but at the time, it wasn't necessarily so popular. So I thought, hmm. Why not? I'll give it a try. Well, anyway, it worked out so well that uh, he and his mom bought a second property uh, that we were going to rent out. It was a two-bedroom apartment. So when she was in Paris, she lived there. When she wasn't in Paris, it was rented out. So because of these two properties, I ended up getting so busy. I actually, by the way, had a job, a part-time job. Yeah, (laughs) I was doing market research for an international company. My pretend job, i.e. property management, was interfering with my my actual office job. So I quit my office job and I thought, well, I might as well make a go of it. I've been doing this now for a year and a bit and it seems to be working fine. So that's when I started uh, managing other people's properties because I realized that it was indeed a viable business and people did really want to come to Paris and stay in an apartment. I remember when I came here in November of 2001, and it was really difficult to find an apartment. We ended up going to a hotel. And and after that, I had done a swap of an apartment. So you're right. It was really in its infancy when you started your business. Where are 
most of your properties located? Most of them are in my favorite areas. So that would be Montmartre and Les Batignolles. But I do have places in other parts of Paris. Uh, so in the 9th, the 10th, the, the 6th, the 7th. Yeah, so I've got them a little bit all over, but primarily in the 18th and the 17th. But only in areas where I personally like as well too. One of the criteria that I have in uh, having accepting an apartment to manage is that it's got to be in an area that's that's charming for everybody because not only do I have uh, tourists but I also have medium term and long term renters so I have a mixed bag of everything so I try to find places that are in areas where people would either be happy to live temporarily or permanently in and how do you find properties to add to your portfolio? What's the process? Well, luckily for me, I have never had to actually search out actively. I have always had people come to me either by referrals, word of mouth, or just stumbling across my website. So I've been very fortunate that I've not had to seek out owners. You and I have a client in common yes. by one degree of separation. And, and I found out only because she was a guest on the podcast. Yeah, I know. And that's how I found out too, because then when you posted the podcast, I was like, wait a minute, I know that person. And I know that property. Yeah. It was so funny. So funny. How has the pandemic affected your business? Well, we've certainly been pivoting. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, I've never been a skater, but I feel like I've been a figure skater for the past year, uh, going spinning in circles. But um, it's definitely changed in terms of, uh, I had a, a huge, I was so excited to uh, see how 2020 was um, coming together. Uh, in 2019. I hardly had any availability left. I had great bookings. The majority of my clients are regular guests, returning guests and things. And it was like, wow, gosh, I've got so much. Uh, I've hardly got any availability. What am I going to do? I'm going to have to get myself some projects and things to keep myself busy since I won't have to worry about filling the apartments for the owners. Well, uh, famous last words. And then as soon as the pandemic hit, of course, everybody just, well, they couldn't come. And so it was cancellations galore. I spent probably the first pandemic trying to figure out, well, what do we do with all these people? And I went back and forth with my owners. Do, do we offer them a refund? Do we uh, ask them if they want to keep the money on account for a future stay? And my owners were completely flexible. So they basically said, whatever the guest wants, uh, whatever the renter wants. And in most cases, apart from maybe two or three scenarios, everybody just wanted their money kept on account because they the way that they put it is is it gave them something to look forward to that when the pandemic was over and they could travel again they knew at least they had a trip to paris to look forward to yeah tourism is a huge driver for a lot of businesses you see it all over paris as it relates to hotels restaurants boutiques and we're hoping that as the rollout of the vaccine uh, becomes more and more prevalent, I actually got vaccinated my first injection yesterday. It will accelerate the opening of the border so that people can come back because 
that's what we need to happen. Absolutely. And kudos for your vaccination. I, I can't yet. I'm just like several months too short of being in the, the right age right now. But uh, yeah, and, and my my client base, it's not only tourism, it's also people that come here to each year to do, say, art classes um, or take French lessons or cooking lessons and things like that that come here as well for anywhere from a month to three months. So I've got quite an interesting base. And of course, none of those people could come either. Yeah. And what an interesting place to do it in. Because if if I understand correctly, a lot of your properties are located in Montmartre and it's really a fabulous landscape. Gorgeous. I mean, the in, the inspiration every time I go, which is probably about once a month, hmm. um, it's just very inspirational. It's like a, its own little village. It totally is, and that's what warmed uh, me to Montmartre when I first visited Paris in my twenties. It was—I had only been para- to Paris one other time before moving here, and I just absolutely fell in love with the charm of Montmartre. You'll have to let me know, by the way, the once a month when you're back in the hood again. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when we're not under curfew. Correct. <laughs> correct. I always find myself rushing back home and I, I think I'll call Gail or I'll let her know I'm in de- And then it's 645 I and know. I have to go back home. <laughs> I know. I don't know how many times I'm, I'm, I'm rushing home too because I, and then I forget, oh my gosh, I forgot to buy milk, for example, or cat food. And uh, yeah. Have any of your owners had, have they had to sell their property because of the pandemic? I only have one owner that, uh, well, kind of sold. She gave it to her daughter, but I saw that coming anyway. It wasn't really related to the pandemic. I have another owner that was trying to sell her property, but because of the pandemic, it wasn't it, it wasn't moving. And she actually wanted to buy to sell her property because she plans on buying uh, another place in the south of France, uh, a house to set up a bed and breakfast. So she actually needed to sell her flat to invest the money into the other. So everything is on hold for her. So she's mm-hmm. definitely been affected. The relationship between the city of Paris and Airbnb or their interest to not have many short-term rentals. How has that affected your business since the legislation? Well, firstly, I don't have any of our properties on Airbnb. Um, I have an Airbnb account, but that's only for my daughter's room that I rent out when she's not here. But of course, since the pandemic, I'm not renting it out to people I don't know since I live on site as well too. So, uh, but, but, uh, it's definitely been an effect. I, I understand, I understand the idea of wanting to house, uh, people that live in Paris on a regular basis, but the short-term rental industry is not the fault of lack of housing or lack mm-hmm. of affordable housing. Mm-hmm. So it's all politics, unfortunately. Um, uh, and I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon. Although recently the mayor did not get her way with the, uh, with the hope that they, uh, they had planned on, on hoping to, uh, limit 120 nights, uh, to even lower in certain arrondissements and, uh, the city, the regular people that voted for that uh, voted against it. And uh, 120 nights is still the maximum versus 30 nights in some areas is what they wanted. So basically, if it's your primary residence, you can rent it out for 120 nights. 
Right, exactly. And in my case, in my daughter's room, because I am on site, I can actually, if I wanted to rent it 365 days a year, um, because I'm not renting out my whole apartment. But if I wanted to rent out my whole apartment, I could indeed do it, but a maximum of 120 nights only. I recently read that short-term rentals have dropped in Paris, not necessarily because of Airbnb, but just because of the pandemic. And people, you talked about pivoting earlier, that long-term rentals have increased by almost 200%. Has that been your experience as well? Yes, definitely. I have a lot of um, medium and long-term rentals. I've tried to work with my owners uh, during the whole pandemic to try to say, okay, look at, you know, you're not going to have somebody coming for a short stay, those that have their primary residence and so on that I'm, I'm managing. Uh, so let's think about what you can do with your property in the meantime. So in some cases I've been renting out places just long-term or for three, four, five, six, seven months. So as a result, I've been able to keep the vast majority of the properties occupied, and I don't really have much availability, which is a good thing. But there are some places where if an owner has not had too much flexibility on price, then of course there's nothing I can do really then to fill it up. Because that's the one thing that we have seen is the prices have gone down because of the pandemic and more and more places being free. And also people, regular people that live here in Paris that uh, maybe were in another country at the time, for example, the United States or Canada, and are still there because they couldn't come back in. Or they they have a they live in Paris, but they've decided now that they're going to go to their parents' home in Normandy until everything calms down. You're a member of an organization that helps to regulate furnished rentals. Can you just tell us a little bit of, about? that organization? Sure. I'm one of the founding members of the SPLM. And uh, basically, it's the first uh, professional organization in France uh, for furnished rentals. And it's a federation of many different cities. It's not just Paris, although it started just in Paris. It represents uh, all cities in France, uh, big and small. And basically, we try to work together to set down guidelines for our members, work together toward legislation, uh, inform and educate our members. And we have, since the pandemic, we've, instead of having regular meetings like we usually do, we've been having regular uh, virtual meetings with our members and still trying to share information, et cetera. I recently came across somebody, I, they had their luggage, they were asking me about an address and the address was actually a restaurant. <laughs> and, I, and I just thought to myself, oh my goodness, this person has probably rented an apartment and this apartment doesn't exist. Oh. Yeah. I, I, I wonder if you have had people who've had that experience because I try to gear people towards organizations such as yours so that they understand it's really important to rent a property from someone that you trust. I completely agree with you. And it has actually happened that uh, there was this, I don't know if you remember Craigslist or even if it still exists, but uh, in the Craigslist days when there wasn't very many avenues to contact uh, Anglophones uh, and so on and so forth, there was somebody that copied 
the listing that I had for one of the apartments, they took the photos, the description. The only thing that was different apart from the contact was the price. It was astronomically lower. So apparently somebody had rented it and uh, went to the apartment and it was a big fiasco. I got a call from the guardian saying uh, there's somebody trying to get into the apartment, but there's already people in the apartment. And I said, yeah, I know. And I said, well, what do you mean? So I spoke to the person on the phone. They'd apparently sent money by Western Union. Uh, light should go off there, but obviously it didn't for them. And uh, they got to the apartment and they they were really upset with me. And they said they were trying to say that I was scamming them. And I said, I have nothing to do with it. I'm really sorry. You can send me the information and I'll report it to Craigslist. But, you know, uh, sending money by Western Union and getting a, a, a price that is astronomically low should be signs that it it might be too good to be true. And so, yes, I agree with you. People should always do their research and deal with a professional. I mean, if somebody has never heard of Gail Boisclair or Perfectly Paris, they can easily do a search. That's what Google's for. And they can find out, you know, just search, search for the people that you're trying to rent from to make sure what you're renting is legit. Are there any other red, red flags that you think our listeners should look out for? Yeah, I think you have to be careful when somebody does ask you to send money uh, beforehand. You should make sure that you have a proper contract. Uh, if you can't find any reviews about the person or the company, then you should ask them for referrals. Um, definitely try to use, but try to use word of mouth. That's what everybody does these days. People will ask their friends on social media, Hey, I'm going to Paris. Do you know anyone I can rent an apartment from? You know, just, just be careful and do their, they've got to do their research on the company or the person that they're trying to rent from just as much as they have to do their research on the apartment in the area. I know that what we're all hoping and maybe your business is not completely driven by tourism, but tourism certainly is a factor. Do you have a sense of once the borders open, what the recovery period will be for renting out apartments on a furnished basis? Well, we've all got lost income owners, uh, managers, uh, and so on that we'll never recover from. Uh, but uh, I really... I know that there's been a lot of fake news going around saying that the borders are going to be open to Americans in mid-May. Uh, our restaurants won't even be open in mid-May. Maybe the terraces, but not even our restaurants. So no, Americans cannot come in mid-May. Hopefully in the summer, uh, things will open up and it's it looks pretty good that things will open up for uh, tourists to come to Paris. And I suspect by the time September, October comes, that people will be hard pressed to find accommodations in Paris because everything is going to be booked. Yeah, because there's so much pent up demand. People want to get back to Paris. Exactly, exactly. So I feel that uh, basically, I would say from September onward, it's going to be great guns until probably late 2022. Mm -hmm. Have you developed any other interests during the pandemic? You know, we've had a lot of time on our hands. <laughs> I have been keeping myself really busy. So like the first confinement, I decided to redo my website. And I thought, oh, I've got no money coming in. And, uh, you know, it's time to change my website. I can't 
pay anyone to do it because I have no money like everybody else. And so let me do it myself. Anyway, so I redid my website uh, during the first confinement. And then beyond all of that, I've also attended, I don't know how many online conferences for work. So increasing my knowledge. Uh, I've also uh, started working on a podcast with a friend of mine, Marie, as you know, and uh, that hasn't, those haven't been released yet, but we're going to get you on a podcast too, uh, on one of ours. And uh, I've also changed the accounting system. Well, my accountant changed the accounting system, so I'm learning that. And also I'm working on a cookbook because as I've been, yeah, it's kind of silly. It's not, look, it's not, I'm not a professional cook by any stretch of the imagination, but I do enjoy cooking and I like exploring new recipes and playing with spices and flavors and things. Yeah. You should not be so modest. I've seen your postings and I just thought, wow, I can't wait until I come over. <laughs> well, I never thought of doing a cookbook, but it's actually my regular um, Perfectly Paris renters and things that um, my my regular clients that keep saying every time I'm posting, Gail, you have to do a Perfectly Paris cookbook. And I'm like, well, yeah, like that and 5,000 other things that I have to get done. <laughs> But then I thought, actually, it could be a fun idea. So this is a project that I'm working on, and um, I don't know when it's going to be completed, but it shouldn't really be that uh, long. I have a friend of mine uh, that's helping me in terms of wine pairing for the recipes, and another friend that is a naturopathic doctor, and she's going to talk about the nutritional aspects of it. But the idea is it's going to be just very simple, healthy uh, recipes that anyone can do uh, without really lots of experience in the kitchen. Oh, that sounds great. And then it sounds perfect for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard you speak French, but do you speak French? Oui, je parle français aussi. <laughs> Are you a French citizen or just a just or a Canadian citizen? <laughs> oh boy. Well, that's another story. So I... Um, uh, let's see. I'm on my second tenure card, uh, tenure card de séjour. Lucky me. But of course, I didn't apply for citizenship when I was married. I'm divorced uh, from my French husband, which I should have done. But anyway, the thing was, is when I applied for for nationality, that was maybe a few years ago or something. Everything, all boxes were ticked correctly, except I was married before I was married to my French husband. So I was, and the divorce happened in California, even though I never lived in California, but that's where my first husband was living. So I gave all my divorce papers, it's like quite a story. I gave all my divorce papers to the um, Marie when my husband, my French husband and I got married and they demanded originals, which I gave them. And of course they never gave it back. And that is the box that I cannot tick off because I don't have any proof of my first divorce. And oh I did like attestation sur honneur. I went back and forth with the prefecture saying, look at you guys had all my paperwork. You wouldn't have let me get married to this French person if I was still married. And yeah, but you know what? Yeah. That piece of paper for them is they, they really, oh even God. though the, the, the logic, the logic aspect yep. comes into play. For them, the proof is the actual certificate, the actual piece of paper. I know. 
So anyway, I begrudgingly begrudgingly gave up that at the moment. I don't really care. Anyway, whatever. I'm I'm Canadian. I'm proud to be Canadian. My daughter's got dual nationality, so that's important. And uh, I mean, renewing the ten year carte de séjour is so easy. Anyway, so it really is. It really is. How can our listeners find Perfectly Paris if they're interested to rent? one of your properties, or if they're interested to list one of your properties. Oh, I would love that. They can contact, uh, they can go to my website first if they want to see what we do, www.perfectlyparisallattached.com, or they can email me directly, gail at perfectlyparis.com. And they can follow me on social media too. They can find me. I'm, I'm all over the place on social media. I'm the easiest person in the world to stalk. Okay, great. (laughs) Gail, it has been, you have been the perfect guest. And I want to thank you for joining us today on the Paris Property Chronicles. It was my pleasure. And thanks for having me, Yolanda. My interview with Gail was recorded in late April, just before France announced the ease of restrictions, including its plan to open borders on June 9th to qualified foreign travelers. To learn more about Gail, Perfectly Paris, or to see how she might help you find a furnished rental in Paris when you can come back, please visit her website at www.perfectlyparis.com. I'm Yolanda Robbins. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Paris Property Chronicles, property tailored for you.